Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. A small band of shepherds were the first to be privileged with the news of the Savior's birth. What they did with the news continues to impact believers even now. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at how the shepherds responded to the first Christmas and what it means for you this Christmas. Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, What to Do with Christmas. Well, first of all, Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm sure you're uh, scurrying around trying to take care of everything on this day. But if you do have a few moments to join us and listen to today's program and message, I think it will help you and encourage you. We love you, and we're so grateful for your support. And on this holy day of the year, we uh, reach out across this whole country and around the world, wherever our voices heard, to say thank you and Merry Christmas and God bless you. Today, we are going to finish up what we started on Friday with a message from chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke, and the title of the message is What to Do with Christmas. We'll get to the message in just a moment, but on this Christmas day, let me tell you about a Christmas present. We have a present we'd like to send you, and we'll send it to you just as soon as we hear from you. It's a beautiful devotional uh, reading for the new year. A devotional page in this devotional book for every day of the new year. And we'd love for you to have it. It's beautifully designed. You'll be proud to have it with you wherever you go or on your coffee table in the living room where everyone can see it. The title of the devotional this year is Walking with Jesus. It talks about your daily adventure as a believer in your fellowship with Christ. And we want to send this to you as our way of saying thank you for your year-end gift to Turning Point. That's right. When you send a gift at the end of the year, it means so very much to us as we collect these gifts from around the world, preparing for the new launch of Turning Point Ministry in 24. So thank you for being a part of it. And when you send your gift, just be sure to ask for your copy of Walking with Jesus, and it will be there before you know it. Well, here is our Christmas Day message, What to Do with Christmas. What are we to do with Christmas, you and I? Well, first, we can receive the Christmas message. Luke 2, 8, and 9 says, There were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Imagine the wonder of that evening for those humble field hands. One moment the skies were dark and their moods were darker, perhaps. And the next moment, an angel was in their presence, an angel with amazing news. Surely the shepherds shared our questions. Why here? Why now? Why us? And they were afraid. And then they heard the message of the angel. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, 
For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel's message to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus condenses the gospel to its core. The gospel isn't for some, it's for all. It isn't just news, it's good news of mega joy. And it's the best news that there ever has been or ever will be because it brings deep, everlasting joy to anyone who will receive it. The shepherds received the news that long-awaited Savior had finally been born, the one who had been prophesied for hundreds of years. The Lord had sent saviors to rescue his people before. He had sent his Moses and Joshua and Gideon and Samson, but they had never had a savior like the one who was to be born that night. Here are some things about this savior that sets him apart from any other who would claim to be a savior. First of all, he was a helpless savior. That doesn't make any sense, does it? That's a non-secular, but it's who he was. The scripture says, this will be a sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. A newborn baby is helpless. We swaddle them to keep their fragile limbs protected and their delicate bodies warm. And for the first few years of their lives, they have no ability to feed themselves or clothe themselves or clean themselves. They're completely dependent on someone else to keep them alive. And this babe, who was the savior of the world, he was no different. One of the great wonders of Christmas is that the Son of God did not just become a man of some 30 years of age, but he became, first of all, a baby, as physically small and helpless and needy as any newborn. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, all in a small seven or eight pound package. The fullness of God in a helpless babe. Divinity in a diaper. In his book, God Came Near, Max Licato describes the helplessness of the Savior. He said, his face is prunish and red. His cry, although strong and healthy, is still the helpless and piercing cry of a baby. And he is absolutely dependent upon Mary for his well-being. Majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness in the filth of sheep, manure, and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable, through the womb of a teenager, and in the presence of a carpenter. This baby had overlooked the universe. These rags keeping him warm were the robes of eternity. His golden throne room had been abandoned in favor of a dirty sheep pen, and worshiping angels had been replaced with kind but bewildered shepherds. So it shouldn't surprise us that the shepherds on that night heard about this helpless Savior. For a baby is going to be born unto you, and he will be the Savior of the world. I promise you, no writer has ever written such a story. No drama producer has ever dreamed of such a tale. This is a God story. This is a miracle story. This helpless Savior was also humble. The Bible says in Luke 2.12 that this will be a sign unto you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes 
lying in a manger. This was the humblest of cribs. Did you know that the word manger actually means a feed trough? Jesus' first visitors were shepherds, the humblest of people, and they met their Savior on his terms in the humblest of places in a lowly feed trough. The first image we have of Jesus on this earth is that of being born in a barn surrounded by livestock. The scene announces humility and lowliness and vulnerability and weakness and exposure. And the last image we get of Jesus as he ends his earthly life is as a broken body hanging on a cross. Not the opening nor the closing scenes of Jesus' life suggest anything else but the life of a humble servant. The Apostle Paul reminds us that grace reaches into the humblest of places. He wrote this to the Corinthians, For you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. If Jesus had come in the way everyone expected, in majesty and great power as he will come someday when he comes again all of those who felt themselves beneath that status would have felt disqualified but Jesus came in the lowest possible way qualifying only the helpless and humble for salvation he came humbly and helplessly so that no one could ever say I am too sinful for him I am too insignificant for him as if to set the tone for the entire life and message of his son, God brought a delegation of shepherds to be the first to, to worship and to celebrate. He was only a few moments or a few hours old, but Jesus would have liked having these shepherds in his presence. After all, he was the one, this Jesus, who would enter the world and give himself and his life for tax collectors and sinners. He came of age three decades later. This teacher always had time for the pressing crowds. He spoke of the greatness of servanthood. He talked about the first being last. He said that for anyone who served the least of these, it would be like they were serving him. He was a humble savior. He was not only helpless as a babe, humble, born in a manger, but he was a heavenly savior. The Bible says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. When we read that there was a multitude of angels outside of Bethlehem announcing this word to the shepherds, we're reminded that angels are present in almost every important part of Jesus' life. Some years ago, I did a whole study. In fact, I wrote a book on angels. And I think one of the most surprising things to me was to realize how Almighty God dispatched his angels at certain times in the history of the world, almost as if to put an exclamation point behind the event. For instance, did you know that angels sang at creation? And they sang at the incarnation when Jesus was born? And the Bible says every time somebody receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, the angels sing in heaven, regeneration. And one day when he comes back again, the Bible says he will be accompanied 
by his holy angels. At creation, at regeneration, at incarnation, and at exaltation. Angels in the life of Jesus. If you see an angel and Jesus in the same picture, stop for a moment and worship. Something important is happening. So he was a helpless savior. He was a humble savior. He was a heavenly savior. And you know, this whole business of him being from heaven and all these songs, I have to pause and just say this. Sometimes people wonder, why do we have so much music at Christmas? Let me explain to you why that happens. Did you know that in the two chapters in the book of Luke that tell the story of Christmas, there are four different songs. There are more songs in those two chapters than in any other place in the Bible except the Psalms. These angels knew something the shepherds didn't know, and they knew some songs that we should just reflect upon for a moment. Did you know that these angels sang, and all of the characters in the Christmas story sang? Mary sang. Zacharias sang, the father of John the Baptist. Look in those passages and you will see there's music everywhere. Why is there so much music at Christmas time? <laughs> We're in good standing because that's the way it's presented in the Bible. So as we are Christians, we can receive the message of Christmas and we can respond to it. And when we respond to it, we do so as the shepherds did. These unassuming men followed the instructions of the angels and they made their way to Bethlehem and they looked into the manger and they saw that what was told them was true. It was not enough for them just to hear the message. They had to respond to it. Every time the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ has been faithfully preached, men and women have been called individually to respond to that message. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I believe Jesus is the savior of the world. That isn't any good. It's better than not believing that, I suppose, but it won't get you to heaven. You have to believe that Jesus is your Savior. You have to respond to that message. You have to take him into your own heart. Ask him to forgive your sin and give you the gift of eternal life. Just to read about it in the Bible as we do it this season of the year is not enough. We must also, as the shepherds did, respond individually by acting upon that message in our own lives. Songs and good feelings and beautiful literature and liturgies and nice presents and big dinners and sweet words do not make Christmas. Christmas is saying yes to something beyond all emotion and feeling. Christmas is saying yes to a hope that is based on God's initiative to come into this world so that we can be free from our sin. Jesus is the Savior for the world, but he is not a Savior for those who will not put their trust in him. So at this season of the year, as did the shepherds, we can respond. They heard the instruction of the angels, and immediately they went forth and did what they were instructed to do. We can also retell the message. The shepherds did not just hide this message in their heart. They did not keep it to themselves. The scripture says... After seeing Jesus, the shepherds left the manger and they told everybody in their path of the things that had happened to them. Can you imagine how excited they were? You know, one of the things I love as a pastor over these many years is 
When people come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, the initial enthusiasm is palpable. I wish I could bottle it up. I wish I could put it in a box and hold on to it and remind them maybe five years later about how excited they were when they first found out that Jesus had forgiven them. These shepherds were filled with joy. They accepted the fact that he was born for them, and they had to tell everybody they met. I'd like to pause for just a moment and give you a little practical admonition. Over the years when people talk about witnessing their faith, it usually conjures up in their mind taking some sort of course where they have to learn all the strategies to talk to people about Jesus. But the Bible doesn't present that. The Bible says these shepherds just told everybody they saw what they had personally witnessed themselves. Do you know what witnessing is, men and women? It's not going to a class. I mean, it's all right to do that, and if it makes you more effective, I'm all for it. But sometimes we make witnessing so hard, we lift it up so high, that anybody who isn't a theologian or a seminary graduate thinks, well, I can't witness. Yes, you can. All you need to do is tell everybody you meet what Jesus has done for you how Jesus has provided for you, how he made you well when you were sick. When you tell people what Jesus has done for you, you're witnessing just like the shepherds did when they left the manger that day. Don't let anyone put you into a complicated idea of witnessing. The important message of this season is this, that as Christians, we're to be like the shepherds, going everywhere, telling everyone, how wonderful our Savior is. And then we can rejoice at Christmas. I mentioned to you how many songs are in the book of Luke. I won't go through them all today. But isn't it interesting that we as Christians, we have a corner on the music department. Have you noticed most other religions don't have any music? I mean, if you love music, you'd hate to be an atheist. I mean, what do they sing about? I'm not trying to be mean or anything. I'm just saying Christianity creates a song in your heart. Christianity gives you joy. Christianity makes you want to reflect and rejoice that to everybody else. Now, I know we all have sad times, and we've been through some. We have times when it's hard for us to be filled with joy. But joy isn't just being happy all the time. Joy is that inward sense that all is right with God. And then when you get in a group like this, you can't help yourself. You want to sing. You want to rejoice. I love the Christmas songs because they are the essence of the Christmas message. And we make no apology for our joy, for the rhythm in our songs, for the excitement in our music. And sometimes people say, you know, your music is a little bit much, and I want to say to them, if you only knew what we've thought about doing. <laughs> and that's just because... If you know Jesus Christ as we do, you can't just jam that down inside of your skin and go passively through life. There has to be a way of expressing it. And the angels expressed it first to the shepherds, but the Bible says they went on and they shared it with everyone else. Do you think they did that in a maudlin, quiet, sad tone? I can see them in my mind's eye jumping all around with all kinds of gestures telling everybody what had happened to them that night out on the hills of Bethlehem when the angels of glory came and shadowed over them and told them that the Savior of the world had been born. 
And the excitement of that moment needs to be something of the excitement of our hearts. If we know where we were before Christ came into our life, we know how wonderful it is to know him and to know his forgiveness. A woman was doing her last-minute shopping in a crowded mall. She was so tired of fighting the crowds. She was tired of standing in line. She was tired of fighting her way down long aisles, looking for gifts that had sold out days before. Her arms were full of bulky packages. When an elevator door opened, it was full, but the occupants of the elevator grudgingly tightened ranks and allowed a small space for her and her Christmas load. As the door closed, she blurted out in frustration, whoever is responsible for this whole Christmas thing ought to be arrested and strung up and shot. A few others nodded their heads or grunted in agreement. Then from somewhere in the back of the elevator came a single voice that said, they didn't shoot him, they crucified him. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that, we see the juxtaposition of the way most people deal with Christmas and what the real meaning of Christmas is. That one has come here to be born into our humanity, to be one like us, to live like us for all those years, and then ultimately to go to the cross, having never sinned as the spotless Lamb of God, and there dying that you and I might live. Fifty years ago, a Charlie Brown Christmas was first broadcast on American television. Some network executives thought it would be ignored. Others worried that quoting the Bible would offend viewers. Some wanted its creator, Charles Schultz, to admit the Christmas story, but Schultz insisted it stay in. The program was an immediate success, and it's been rebroadcast every year since 1965. When Charlie Brown, the frustrated director of the children's Christmas play, is discouraged by the commercial spirit of the holiday season, he asks if anyone can tell him the real meaning of Christmas. Linus recites Luke 2, 8 through 14, including the words, For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, is born. And this shall be a sign to you, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And then Linus says, That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And that's what I wanted to say to you today. That's what Christmas is. It's not just a story to be told and rehearsed and listened to once a year. It's a life-changing message that will make you everything you ever dreamed of being and what God created you to be. Knowing Christ takes away the barriers of joy and experience, gives you the hope that's missing in the lives of so many people during these days. I want to ask you, has there ever been a time in your life when you have asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Will you open the doors of your heart to receive him today? 
Will you pray with me in a simple, quiet prayer from your heart and say to the Lord that you want him to be not just the savior of your world, but your own personal savior and invite him into your life. If you do that, this will be your first Christmas as a Christian, and you will never forget it. When you become a part of God's family, it's a birthday way bigger than your physical birthday. It's the beginning of your experience of eternal life. I hope it begins for you today. Uh, We had a showing of our movie, Why the Nativity, the other day for a film festival, and a man got up afterwards and said, I don't know what happened, but something happened to me while I was watching this movie. And for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm open to Christ. Listen to me. That's what Christmas is all about. Open your heart to Christ. Open your heart to him so that he can come and live within you. He will do it, and he will do it right now. And this can be a joyous Christmas for you that you'll remember for the rest of your life. If you have not already taken time to make a year-end gift to Turning Point, I hope you'll do it now because I want to send you this beautiful devotional. It's the way we say thank you to all our year-end gifts. Your gift of any size, simply say, please send me the devotional for 24, and it will be there before you know it. Thank you so much. God bless you. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's special messages for Christmas, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new 365-day devotional for 2024, Walking with Jesus. It's sure to inspire you through the year ahead, and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we resume The Jesus You May Not Know on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Do you believe Jesus is with you in every moment? One of the best ways to instill this truth is by spending time in reflection and prayer. Dr. David Jeremiah makes this easy with his new 365-day devotional called Walking with Jesus. This exclusive book is available for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a donation of $120 or more, you'll receive the devotional four-pack, perfect for gifting. Learn more when you visit davidjeremiah.ca. Most followers of non-Christian faiths don't celebrate Christmas, which is understandable. But there are many people who don't believe in Jesus, but who celebrate Christmas anyway. They believe in the season, but not in the person who is the reason for the season. Is it necessary to be a faithful Christian to enjoy Christmas? 
know, but only Christians have a reason to celebrate the true Christ of Christmas. Being excited about a celebration is not the same as being excited about the person who's being celebrated. I hope your Christmas is exciting and that in the midst of the party, you find time and reason to celebrate Christ himself. This is David Jeremiah, and that is the Christmas story on Route 66. Driving the word home this Christmas on Route 66. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.